The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine containing topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month... Lynn Cooper has a special offer for listeners to this program, and the American Council of the Blind sets sail for Mexico. No fooling. The details are straight ahead on ACB Reports for April 2010. Dave Kronk is a travel agent who has worked with ACB for several years to offer blind-friendly cruising opportunities. He is currently offering a cruise along the west coast of Mexico, which will sail the week of October 17th through 24th of this year. Dave, welcome to ACB Reports. How long have you been working with ACB? I've done probably about 11 or 12 different cruises that were set up for visually impaired. And in the past, I have worked with ACB except for like the last two years. When I left my present company, I called uh, Mitch Pomerantz and said, hey, how would you like to hook up again? And Mitch was very excited about me getting back together with ACB. What type of things go into setting up a cruise that's oriented toward blindness and low vision? Things that we look at and things that I do, for instance, this particular cruise here, of course, is with Carnival Cruise Line, uh, which we've sailed on them numerous of times. They've been fantastic to work with. Their ships are all done in Braille. What I do personally is uh, I get the menus in advance. I put the menus in Braille and large print. I also um, get everything organized for everybody. They do not have to worry about filling out any paperwork. I fill out all their paperwork online. I get everything all printed out. I fill out all their immigration forms towards the end. I also work with the cruise line so that we can set up tours that will be somewhat geared towards visually impaired. It's going to be hands-on. For instance, one of the excursions that we'll go on, we'll be swimming and interacting with the dolphins. We make sure that everything is being described to the best that we can to let everyone know what we're seeing and what's going on. As uh, some people have said in the past, I'm more like a safety net for them, which is what they really like because if you come in the day before the cruise, I will personally meet and greet you guys at the airport. And then we'll transfer you over to the hotel where my wife and them are there to, again, greet you and get you checked in, get you to your room and everything. And then you're on your own. The next morning after you have breakfast, we then uh, transfer to the ship. We do a private embarkation, get everyone checked in, get on board the ship. We will do a tour of the ship so that everybody can get an idea where everything is located. Before all that really happens, though, I send out like a schematic of the ship telling you what's located on each deck, whether it's forward, midship, or aft, so they can kind of get an idea where things are located. But once we're on the ship, you're pretty much on your own. It's your vacation. I want people to do things that they want to and everything else. They can go to the casinos. There's uh, carnival staff there to assist with some of the games, such as the slots and things like that. If you're a blackjack player, they'll play with all cards face up, and the dealer will tell you what everyone has. For those who like to play bingo, we have bingo cards in Braille and large print so that they're able to enjoy themselves also. When uh, we're at dinner, that's when we make all of our announcements on what's going on the next day, where we're going to meet at, what's going to happen. Now, don't get me wrong. If someone needs something, they can give me a call because they provide me with a phone so that you can call and say, Dave, I've lost something, or Dave, can you help me with this? And we do. There's been times people say, hey, Dave, you know, can your wife take me shopping upstairs? Not a problem. When would you like to go? So I travel with the group. And then, I mean, if we see people out and about on the ship, we'll ask how you're doing, where you're going. 
And if they're like, well, we're trying to find such and such, not a problem. Come on, I'll take you there, and I'll tell you how we're getting there. But once you're off the ship, then that's when we're actually escorting the tours itself. We're doing a head count, make sure we got everybody. We're making sure that everything's being described as best of our ability. And what we also do is we always find time for shopping. People love to shop and everything else, so we will set up times to shop when we're in port so that we can go and do things. When we're back on the ship, again, you're back on your own, unless something comes up or you really need something. And then at the end of the cruise, again, all your stuff is all filled out for you. All you have to do is we'll have a meeting. I'll go over the forms. You'll sign the form for your immigration. Ready to get off the ship, we're good to go. That's kind of what we do in a nutshell. I would assume that uh, a person must, by the time they get there, certainly have their passport in order. Yes. What I do is I will let them know what they're going to need as far as proof of citizenship. For instance, this particular cruise is what they call a closed-in cruise, which means we're leaving from Long Beach, returning to Long Beach. So a passport or a birth certificate with the raised seal can be used. A passport is not necessarily required on this particular ship. However, if something should happen in uh, Puerto Vallarta, for instance, and you have to be flown home, without a passport, you cannot be flown home. So we encourage people to get their passports, but if not necessarily, we'll have to have one for this cruise. How long does it take one to get a passport if you don't have one already? If you don't have one already, you can actually get one within three weeks. Right now, the passports are $95. Now, there is a rumor that the government is planning on increasing that rate from 95 to about 125. So the rates are going to increase for a passport. So those that don't have a passport and would like to get one, they need to get one now before the price increases. What are the things that someone who has never been on a cruise before need to know? If you've never been on a cruise before, plan on having a wonderful time, first of all. Plan on having a good time with us because we have a great time. Now, if you're new to this type of deal, plan on making sure you've got your proof of citizenship, passport or birth certificate. Uh, The next thing is that the price that you pay for the cruise includes the cruise, all port charges, taxes, and prepaid gratuities. What is not included would be your one-night hotel stay if you choose to come in the day before the cruise, your transfers to and from the cruise ship, and your bar tab or any shore excursions. A lot of people really don't realize that, you know, if I get a soda, that's going to cost me. So a soda or any drink from the bar is going to cost you. What's included as far as meal-wise is all of your meals, as much food that you can consume in seven 24-hour periods. They've got room service, 24-hour pizzeria on board. All of that's included, and the drinks that are included would be your coffee, tea, water, and any type of a beverage that would come from the kitchen. So those are some things that you know people need to realize, too. And some people that I've found in the past that when they've ordered a drink, they would put on a gratuity because they weren't familiar with that. They already add a gratuity on there. You know, So you don't want to tip again because they're already automatically adding one on there. So that's one thing I've learned to make sure I tell people. And that's pretty much it, really, for a first-time cruiser. Because they have a lot of activities going on throughout the day. You've got a couple swimming pools. You've got the spas. You've got whirlpools and hot tubs and steam rooms. They have a gym with all the nautical equipment that you can ever dream of. Everybody talks about the shows. Definitely. And these shows, depending on what they're doing, it would either be like a New York Broadway or a Las Vegas-style show. 
And what's good is that they give us the first and second row. So those, even with low vision, will at least have a chance to see something rather than putting us all the way in the back. How about service animals? I find out what the requirements are to bring that uh, service animal on board the ship and to take them off in each port of call. Normally, like for this particular destination that we're doing, all that's going to be required is going to be an international health certificate. Now, what Carnival does for us, too, though, is if you have a balcony, it's great because what they do is they put you a litter box on your balcony. So you've got your own private litter box for your dog. For those that would, say, want an inside cabin or something else or whatever because they don't want to pay the price of a balcony, still not a problem because what they do is normally, like around deck four or five, somewhere around there, they will set up relief areas for the service animals. So the service animals then are welcome. It sounds like Carnival has done well handling they, service animals. Oh, they have. They are very welcome. And it's actually been known in the past where some of the Carnival staff would come by people's cabins in the morning to take the dog out for a quick walk and to relieve them. What you have to realize is the staff on board the cruise line, they have pets, but they never get to see them except eight months down the road. Well, then they're only with them again for a couple months. So when these service animals come on board, they are so excited about seeing these service animals. The staff is trained not to pet them and everything else. They know exactly what to do, which is really good. But they will ask, may I pet them? Or if you'd like, I'll take them out to the relief area for you. So it's really worked out very well for us. How many people can you book on this cruise and talk about the application process, the deadlines, the prices, and so forth? I can take as many as I want. If a person decides they want to go, they can give me a call at uh, my cell number, which is 618-409-0143. Your deposit is $250 to uh, reserve your cabin. And uh, your cost for the cabin depends upon uh, what type you're wanting. If you're wanting a balcony, you're looking at a rate of $1,049 per person based on double occupancy. And ocean view is $939, or an interior cabin is $839. And that's a per-person price, not a per-cabin. That is correct. Per-person, not a per-cabin. Is there a deadline? I've been able to get an extension until about the first part of June. But uh, it's also all based upon availability. I have a certain number of slots in each category. Once those are full, then I can go back to get more, but the rates can change on us. How many have signed up so far? Right now, I've got about uh, 18 people. And what's the largest number that you've taken with an ACB-affiliated cruise? Uh, 120, which was a lot of work for me, but I loved it. Talk about the itinerary. We will depart from Long Beach, California. We will then go from Long Beach to Puerto Vallarta, Mazalan, and Cabo San Lucas. And all of these are in Mexico? All of these are in Mexico on the West Coast. And then uh, we'll be back in uh, Long Beach on the 24th. So by us having three ports of call, we'll probably have about two days at sea. And then on the 24th, the ship will get back in about 8 o'clock in the morning. And then uh, from there, everybody will uh, transfer to the uh, airport and fly home. Totally worn out, totally happy, and uh, ready to go again next year or or at some point in the future. I can honestly state that uh, in the past when I've done these trips, everybody has had an excellent time. You gave a phone number a while ago, and I'll repeat that phone number as we close out the uh, program, but... Is there an email address? Yes, there is. My email address is D for David, and then my last name, K-R-O-N-K, at H-T 
www.hotelhotelhotelhotelhotelhotelhotelhotelhotelhotelhotelhotelhotelhotelhotelhotelhotelhotelhotelhotelhotelhotelhotelhotelhotelhotelhotelhotelhotelhotelhotelhotelhot
I see a lot of them. Um, as I've mentioned in the past to listeners, I'm in between a couple of college campuses. So it's always a good read on what the young are wearing. And as I said, it starts there. I'm seeing very, very thin, narrow, skin-tight jeans, a lot of scarves, not so much worn for warmth as it is just decorative, light cotton scarves worn and maybe doubled or tripled around one's neck with fringes. And then this hat. And it's really more so a fashion statement than it is actually a keep warm statement because in winter we've seen knit hats for men pulled right over the uh, skull, more skull caps. We're also seeing print tees. Print meaning like music group logos. The Gap has done a really uh, fascinating thing taking this to an art level. And they've done a limited edition artist collection to benefit their red line. And that is to benefit AIDS and HIV services in Africa. They've gone to artists, some of them famous, some not so famous, that do multimedia art and have asked them to design T-shirts and then sell them limited edition in their store. That's a fabulous way to get a little bit of art. Wear that with a pair of jeans or khakis. The way that T-shirts are worn and the way that uh, shirts are worn, anything other than a button-down shirt, what's uber stylish is to tuck just about a four-inch piece in front to the side of your belt buckle in. That's very hip and trendy. So you don't necessarily tuck in the entire shirt. It looks uh, tucked in, but not so much. We are also seeing polo shirts. Now, polo shirts refer to actual polo. That's where Ralph Lauren got the name originally in his design for these shirts. But so many designers, high and low end, are doing them. They are with a collar. They're knit. Often they have a little embroidered logo on the breast. Usually on the left, to the viewer, it would be the right. In the past, we saw them in pastel colors. Now we're seeing them in white, tan, khaki colors, uh, navy, royal blue. We are also uh, looking at suits. Last year, we had a very, very narrow, thin, snug suit. This spring and summer, we're seeing a much more relaxed fit, a return to the 1940s, really. Not so much a 1920 zoot suit, which was really baggy and cuffed and pleated pants, but this is a more relaxed fit. We're seeing it in bold pinstripes, checks, and a houndstooth pattern, lightly padded shoulders. We're also seeing some three-piece suits, which include a vest, but a buttoned vest and a very, very high, it's called a gutter, and that is the opening in a suit. Same thing with the vest. So you're actually seeing much more of the vest. And oftentimes in a very retro-look three-piece suit, you'll have a little tiny rolled lapel on the vest under the suit jacket. For casual, all the way up to dressy, we're also seeing what's known as a display handkerchief in the breast pocket. Some call that a pocket square, but these are really called display just to add a little color, and they're being done in casual fabrics, madras plaids and uh, checks and stripes and what have you. With regard to suits, Mike, we're seeing broad shoulders, slim waist, slim trousers. Once again, we're continuing to see flat front pants, and if our gentlemen listeners buy a suit, very important to get two side vents, one on the left, one on the right. 
It always covers the man's bum much better. It lies better, and it allows you to put your hands in your pocket. What happens with a single vent in the middle of the back is it allows for less weight fluctuation because if one's bum gets a little big, then that vent opens and it should never open. And two button is classic and timeless and a really good investment. For most of us, it's important to have an investment approach to our wardrobe. What carries over, as I said, flat front pants, sleek, clean lines, body hugging, not a lot of bells and whistles. In some cases, particularly with casual jackets, outerwear, we're seeing no collars. We're not seeing a lot of um, patch pockets. We're seeing slit pockets, zippers versus button plackets. Plaid shirts remain big, and dark denim is the color. New look and accessories and hair. We're looking at shoes. There's four real big looks. Number one, if you can believe it, Mike, patent leather. It is tricky to keep clean. It's tricky to wear frequently because it's going to start cracking. So this is one of these runway looks, and it will also draw a lot of attention to your shoes. So you want to be careful when you wear this. If you're one of our Fashion Forward listeners, you want to be careful to wear a muted, toned-down outfit and to not have it compete with your patent shoes. A very, very big look in casual is the espadrille. That is E-S-P-A-D-R-I-L-L-E-S. And that actually originated in the Pyrenees Mountains. They were worn to be very practical in those hot climates. They are casual, perfectly flat sandals in canvas, rope, or cotton on the top and rubber soles. That's a big look to wear in lieu of my personal least favorite shoe, which is the flip-flop. They are a real nice alternative to a floppy or flip-flop worn with jeans or khakis in very hot weather. Then we have something that's an important look for the same kind of outfit, and that would be strappy sandals. Those would be sandals that have wide leather straps in any variation, any kind of design, but they are a real nice look. They're a nice alternative also to a tennis shoe, to a flip-flop, certainly. Those are espadrilles, are the happening sandal looks. And then something that's really fun in a way to economically update one's wardrobe is to go with the boat shoe. Those are slip-ons. They have a off-white sole. They have a leather upper, and then they have a leather strap through the top of the shoe that bows, a leather bow. They actually are referred to as top-siders, T-O-P-siders. That was um, a big look done by the Sperry Company, oh, maybe 50 years ago. And topsider actually refers to the top side of a boat or a ship. When you go top side, it means you go up to the deck. Now, these actually started with that kind of a sole and that color because when you are walking around a deck, not only is it safer to have something that will stick so you don't go flying off the boat, but also that will not scuff the deck of a ship. And those are being done in many, many fun colors. You can get those economically at the low end. You can go all the way up to, I think, maybe Sperry Topsiders run under $100. But they're really fun because many, many manufacturers are doing them in multicolors. 
So a tip for our listeners, Mike, men and women, when I mention these kinds of styles of shoes, jackets, whatever, I suggest you go into a store at an off time, preferably weekday, preferably not after work or lunchtime, and go in and talk to the salesperson and say, listen, I'd like to look at, I'd like to feel, I'd like to wrap my brain, my hands, my thoughts around these different styles so you know what we're talking about. Then also for hair, we've got two essential categories for hair, and one is a schoolboy look, and the other is rocker. The schoolboy look implies just that, side part, slick back, down, very proper, very classic uh, hairstyle. And the rocker, as you can imagine, fringed, swept down toward the face, actually all the way from mid-head, short on the sides, and then feathered and fringed on top. And in some cases on the runway particularly, we are seeing them actually grazing the eyebrows. Think Julius Caesar. Then we're looking at eyeglasses, and one of the big trends that remains is the aviator's shape. We talked about that in our last uh, show, but now they're being done in plastic frames, taking something that was successful and updating it a bit. If you have metal frames in your aviators, you're good to go. Watches. Uh, One thing we're seeing change, Mike, is brightly colored faces. Remember that designers need to go with what's successful, but also to ramp it up a bit. So brightly colored faces on these big, chunky metal watches, the very kind of industrial, heavy-duty watches that are popular and have been for a while. Once again, go in, look for those at your H&Ms, your Targets, what have you. We can always find a least expensive way to do these trends. And then finally, a real big look that we're seeing are the striped preppy ties. And when I say preppy, P-R-E-P-P-Y, and that being slang for prep school. The preppy ties are coming back. They are striped for the most part. And actually, years ago, maybe it's still done, it started in, for the most part in Great Britain, each school was known by the color and the stripe pattern of its tie. So they're being done in bright colors, and they're a really uh, fun way to add a little color to one's wardrobe. So that, gentlemen, is a little bit of a look for uh, spring and summer trends for 2010. We want to talk about, right quickly as we close the program, a special offer to listeners to ACB Radio and ACB Reports. Mike, thank you so very much. Over the past, gosh, it's been more than a decade, actually, that I've had the pleasure of doing these segments on personal image for our listeners. And as a thank you, I have a very, very special offer for our listeners. Due to the great response to these segments, I will be offering this spring, in the month of April and May, and only those months, a great reduction in a private consultation. And this would be on the telephone. One could ask any questions they had on personal image, professional image, anything they had regarding uh, the nonverbal realm. And this would be at a 50% reduction of my normal fee. So it's really an opportunity for people to take advantage of me in a private setting. We would do it on the telephone mic, and we would be uh, basing it on photos and a questionnaire and what have you. I do this for executives around the country this way, and with the technology as it is, it's uh, really doable and it's really effective. So I just wanted to offer this as a thank you to listeners 
and um, hope it will be of help to people, and that will be this April and May. And, Mike, what I'd like to do is encourage people to go to my website and to just email me and mention ACB Reports offer. And my website is, again, www.lyncooper, that's L-Y-N-N-C-O-O-P-E-R dot U-S. If you don't have access to email, you can contact the ACB National Office and ask them to share your contact information with Lynn Cooper. The phone number for the National Office is coming up as we close ACB reports for April 2010. You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide on side four of the Braille Forum cassette edition and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Send suggestions and comments about this program to reports at acbradio.org. Contact the American Council of the Blind online at acb.org or phone 800-424-8666. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next month for another ACB Reports.